Matthew is um, in the Old Testament. I'm just kidding. It's in the New Testament. The first book, matter of fact, is right to the book of Malachi before the book of Mark. And uh, that's where we'll find our text this morning. So if you've got your Bibles, if you would turn there, stand with me, and we'll reverence the Word of God together. Please. Matthew chapter number 9. And we will begin to read in verse number 35. I got two points for you this morning. That's not um, the way I learned in college. It's either 357 or it ain't none. We're going to preach two this morning. And you don't want me to add another one because if it does, it's just going to span the message longer. I'll preach 30 minutes. I'll be done. Lord, help us this morning. I need your help this morning. And before I even read the scripture, I need your help, Lord. I ask you, God, to just please lead God direct. Have your will and way. In Jesus' name, amen. And Jesus, the Bible says, verse 35, went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Every means every. I just want to let everybody know that. But when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad having, as a sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. The time of our text here this morning, it seems everything, every, everywhere that Jesus went, crowds of people began to gather around him and, and they were excited to catch a glimpse of Jesus and to hear him speak with his authority and with his power. And while, while they also desired from him to receive healing and receive provision of the Lord as well. And so here they are at this time, and as the chapter begins, we, we can read of Jesus. Uh, I can't get this button, and then we can read of Jesus uh, healing a crippled man. Uh, we can read him at the beginning, healing a crippled man. Uh, and verse number 1 through verse number 8, he's healing that crippled man, and he's doing the ministry uh, of healing there. And then we can go on and read in verse number 9, uh, where Jesus goes, and he um, is there, and he calls this man by the name of Matthew to be his disciple. We're reading out of his epistle, or rather out of his gospel this morning. And so um, he, he calls Matthew, which was a tax collector, which was uh, a, a one who held a lot of money, if you will, uh, at that time a robber, if you will, for most people's view. And I still think that they are robbers, amen. Um, but here he is, and they're doing that. Uh, and he called him unto him and f- to follow him, take up thy cross, uh, deny thyself, and follow me. Uh, And then we can read in verse number 10 through verse number 17 that he's teaching there uh, and he's rebuking the Pharisees sitting around the table. Uh, And then in verse number 18 through verse number 26, uh, he was approached by whom I believe is Jairus. Uh, We can find that in Mark's account, uh, a name. And I believe it's Jairus there. And uh, Jairus' daughter, we know, had died. 
She just died at this time. Uh, and as they made their way to the home of Jairus, uh, we can find in our text, uh, in those verses, that a woman with the issue of blood, uh, and this is where I find it in Mark chapter number 6, uh, um, there where it does mention Jairus' daughter, not in the same order, um, but, but there's a woman with an issue of blood there, uh, and we find that Jesus, uh, she comes in, and uh, she slips through all the crowd that's following around Jesus, and that's certainly around him and she finds her way through that crowd and she knows the one uh, who's in the middle of the crowd that can help her at that time uh, and she finds her way into that crowd and she just wants to touch uh, the hem of his garment Uh, and when she touches the hem of her garment Jesus said daughter be of good comfort Uh, um, thy faith had made thee whole Uh, and there she is in that place she had come in with an issue of blood uh, and she left covered by the blood it's just simple and that's how works. Uh, And so there she is in that place. uh, And then we find as Jesus uh, was leaving that place and as he's already raised um, Jairus' daughter uh, um, from the dead after he heals the woman with the issue of blood. uh, And as he's made it to Jairus' house, he has healed his daughter. And then he goes on in verse 27. uh, And we find in verse 27 uh, that he was followed by two blind men. I don't know how they followed him, but they followed him. It's just simple as that. Uh, They were blind the Bible says that they were blind uh, but they knew who Jesus was and they wanted to follow him uh, and so here they are and they're following behind Jesus uh, and eventually they get called up to him uh, and then we find uh, in that text that he heals them. Uh, He heals them of their blind condition. Uh, And so he heals one with blood condition, then he heals someone with a blind condition. Uh, And then he goes on a little farther, uh, and we find in verse 32 and verse 34, uh, through verse 34, uh, we find that once those two blind men were healed, uh, they went out and they found uh, this man who was lame on his feet. Uh, And he was lame on his feet, and they brought him to Jesus. Excuse me, uh, he wasn't lame but he was possessed with a devil he was possessed with the devil and they bring him unto Jesus uh, and he's unable to speak he has no problem at all uh, about any of those things but Jesus cast out the demon uh, and immediately I'm trying to lay a backdrop real fast uh, immediately the man began to speak uh, and after all of this Jesus went about the Bible says teaching uh, and preaching uh, on the gospel in the villages and healing the sick everyone the Bible says healing them and I'd say that this day it was all consumed in one day isn't that a lot all in one small short period of day 12 hours you said 12 hours well 12 hours was what day to day in that time gotta understand 6 in the morning 6 in the night there's 4 in that time 6 to 9, 9 to 12, 12 to 3, 3 to 6. That's what you got. And so, so I know it's weird, but that's just how it is. That's just how it is. It's just as simple as that. And so here they are in this time, and in that short period of time, Jesus has done healed the woman with a blood problem. Uh, and he's healed the woman. Uh, he's healed the man, uh, the woman that was dead, uh, the little girl that was dead. Uh, he healed uh, the blind men, and he healed the, the man who was, who was possessed. So he's healed all those and he's taught between that. He's done a lot of work. So we find ourselves that after Jesus had done all that, he wasn't done. He wasn't done yet. 
So he had led the crowd through much, and they had experienced and seen, they had seen a lot from Jesus that day. Because seemingly, in verse 36, they're still following him. They never left him. But then he turned to them and he had compassion. And he gave a request to his disciples. Not to the multitude, but he gave a request to his disciples. And so as well as I believe he gives that request to us this morning. So with that in mind, I'd like to preach this thought, a prayer request from the Lord. I'd like to preach two points. I'll be done quickly. I have a few points. So listen. Number one, I want you to notice the characteristics of the crowd, if we could. In verse 36, But when, the, when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because... Uh, they were scattered, they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. And so here they are, I want you to notice the scattering of the crowd. Uh, the scattering, the Bible says that they were scattered abroad. Is that right? That's scripture, King James, uh, rather divided. The multitude was scattered abroad in that time. Uh, and this has the idea of sheep going astray. Uh, and leaving the path of safety, headed towards a path uh, of unfamiliarity, uh, a path of uncertainty. Uh, they're heading towards that path uh, and as Jesus looked over the multitude uh, he saw them and he saw that they were scattered uh, meaning they were confused uh, and there were a lot of things going on there uh, and they were not headed the right path uh, although they may have been following him uh, he knew the hearts of the people and he said here they are and they're scattered abroad uh, and they're not going the right way uh, they're seeking provision and that's what they want uh, but we got to understand the book of Matthew is just the gospel of a king. Everybody understand that? The book of Matthew was written to Jews. It was the gospel of the king is what it was. It was written to the Jews completely. And so these are Jews here and they, all they want is a king. They're not looking for a savior. They're looking for a king. And here they are at this time. And I tell you is that they have followed in that way. And they followed him. But they need help in their lives. They need somebody that would help him. And you and I both know that today's society that we live in is what you would call a scattered world. It's all over the place. There's so many religions. There's so many spiritual indifferences. There's so many different ways. And the world and the adversary have sown seeds of confusion and doubt. And the average person in this world today uh, is not suffering from a lack of information. Uh, they're suffering from a lack of truth is what they're doing. Uh, they know uh, everything, but they don't know what they need to know. Uh, and they have followed the path that's most traveled, uh, and yet it has seemed uh, to leave more people empty uh, and more people longing for more. Uh, and you can see that this is so many... Uh, different areas. Uh, people today have no peace. Uh, they have no assurance in their lives uh, and they're confused people. Uh, but Jesus, Jesus is the way for that. There were scattered people. Uh, there were scattered crowd. Uh, and then we see the situation in the crowd. The Bible says uh, that as a sheep having no shepherd, uh, as Jesus looked about, He realized that they had no sense of direction either. I mean, I mean, they, they were simply following the crowd ahead of them, uh, uh, having, uh, uh, they were just there. He, he, he simply described uh, um, to us what it's like to live without Him. 
said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. There was no shepherd to guide their path. There was no shepherd willing to embrace whoever or whatever had the ability to meet their needs. That's who they were willing to embrace at that time. And friend, I tell you, the current need, the current thing, and there was no sense or purpose of anything, any meaning in their lives. And there was nothing along those lines. There was no one to keep the wolves away. And there was no one to keep the, 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 the lion back. It was, they were at the mercy of their attacker. That's what they were. They were scattered sheep with no shepherd uh, and no hope. And in context, friend, uh, this is speaking of Israel. It's not speaking of the church. We're not separating the two. We are separating the two. We're not putting them together. Um, but this is talking about um, the, 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 the Israelites in that day. Uh, and sadly, sadly, they're still a scattered people. Ezekiel chapter number 34, uh, verse 3 through 5, it tells you about that. We're not going to read it, but, but, but I, I tell you, so I know, and this context is not for us, uh, but the application's good for us. Uh, and my, my, I tell you, friend, uh, is that today we live in a land that has been saturated uh, with the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, it has been saturated, and the average church member uh, uh, likely assumes uh, the, 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 the majority uh, of them and likely have heard the truth uh, at some point of time uh, and yet our land is still filled with those people uh, who are wandering around through life uh, and they don't know what's next they don't know what's going to come about uh, well friend that's not faith uh, faith is believing exactly what God has said in his word uh, is going to come to pass uh, that's faith uh, and I tell you is that they're walking about like the, like the darkness uh, and they uh, live in a state of confusion uh, and they never have no hope for the future uh, half the People don't even know where they're going when they die. They don't even know if there is anything. They're going to turn into butterflies uh, and start all over again. Uh, but friend, that's not the case. Uh, they quickly move from church to program uh, to movement uh, to the other and desperately seeking uh, provision and guidance for their lives. Uh, you know what they need? They need a pastor. Uh, and they need a shepherd. Uh, and we live in a world that is in spiritually in turmoil. It's a mess, friend, but really I, really, I do not blame them. I blame the church. I blame the church of today. Churches today uh, want to provide everything in this world physically, uh, but not spiritually. Uh, and they're comfortable sending money, uh, but they're not comfortable sending the man because uh, they need to build the house of God. Uh, and beloved, there's a situation out there, uh, and they have no shepherd. We must go. There's a situation. Then I want you to notice the, not only the situation of the crowd, but the, the sympathy of Christ. Now the Bible says, uh, it says, when he looked upon, he was moved with compassion. Now as Jesus looked at that crowd that day, he was moved with compassion. This phrase speaks of uh, um, to feel deeply. It feels uh, yearning, uh, sympathize, uh, to show compassion uh, and pity upon the people. Uh, and so Jesus was compelled to act on what he had seen. Uh, he was compelled to do it. Uh, and when he saw all of those uh, that were out there and they were wayward uh, and they were lost uh, and they were hurting, uh, he could not ignore the needs uh, or leave 
moved them in that despair. Uh, such compassion moved him into action, friend. Uh, and that's what we must do this morning. Uh, I tell you, this convicted me. Uh, are we really moved with compassion when we see the lost crowd in this world? Uh, or am I moved with compassion towards the needs of others? Uh, especially their spiritual needs. Uh, am I moved with compassion when it looks to that? Uh, am I aware of their need for Christ? Uh, am I aware of their need for salvation? Uh, I know that without Jesus and apart from Him uh, and the relationship with Christ, they are going to die and go to a devil's hell. Uh, but I tell you, I know Jesus is the only way. Uh, I know all that, but am I really moved with compassion? Amen. Am I compelled to act when we see the needs of others? I pray the Lord uh, will deeply burden us for this need. Deeply burden us. Uh, you know, instead of giving, we need to start going. I'm serious. You say, well, we're just a small church. If I leave, my, my family leave, then no, you go where God says go. I'm telling you, there is a need for laborers. It's the only prayer request Jesus ever gave us. Understand that? Pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest. He'll send forth laborers. And so I'm telling you this morning, Lamentations chapter 3 verse 51 tells us uh, that mine eye hath affected my heart. Uh, and I'm telling you the truth this morning. If you'll let your eye, if you'll see something and you'll let it affect your heart, it will get in there deep, it will saturate, and it will burden you. I promise it. When you see it, you'll be different. So we see the characteristics of the crowd. And lastly, how about that? We see the command of Christ. Command of Christ. Now he says in verse 37, Then saith he, I'll read it as it goes. I'll, I'll read it as it goes. So, so as Jesus looked in compassion at this crowd, uh, and he's seen the great need of the multitude, he gave a command to his disciples, and we need to hear it and we need to heed it this morning. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, friend, we need to so bad. We need laborers in this world. I'm not saying in America. Not saying any of that, but we need we need them in America, but we need them in this world. Once you see a look at the harvest, a look at the harvest. He said the harvest is truly plenteous. Though he says, the harvest truly is plentiful. Plenteous. And so, so this must have been a profound teaching uh, a moment for the Lord and His disciples here. Uh, I, I never record, it's never recorded where He says it any time before about the harvest. Uh, but here He is talking about the harvest. Uh, and they had experienced the very needs leading up to this point uh, and leading up to this moment of that day. Uh, and now they're surrounded by weary and confused multitude. Uh, and Jesus wanted them to look at the harvest. Uh, he said, look out there at all those people who are wayward, uh, who are weary. Uh, who are all of this stuff why don't you look at them uh, and you know a harvest is a good thing uh, because that means it needs to be ha- it, there needs to be done some picking uh, and it needs to take place now uh, and they were surrounded by a harvest that needed uh, picking right then uh, and can I tell you the estimate of the world today uh, well, I found this online about the harvest today, okay? Uh, because the need's very serious, uh, according to www.worldometers.info. Uh, 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 there are 7.98 billion people in this world, okay? There are 330 million in America. So 7.89 million, 98 million, and there is so almost 8 million billion and then there's 330 million people in America and so with over 150 million births this year alone 
crazy in America. Bow with me, right? And so we're thinking about that. And there, 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 I read, I read also in the North Carolina Baptist uh, State Convention uh, where they have these things and, and they have these censuses uh, and they estimate that in uh, the crowd of North Carolina there is 10, uh, oh well, this is according to the internet, there is 10 uh, point blah, blah, blah million people in North Carolina, okay? 52 states, and they're right, there's still 52 states, right? The 52 states, and they are what? Yeah, there's 52 states. There's 50 states. And so there is, uh, huh? Yeah, there's 52 weeks in a year. That's I knew that. And so here they are, and there is, uh, there's 50 states in America. And in North Carolina, there's three, I mean, there's 10 million people, roughly. That's in July 2021. And the North Carolina State Baptist Convention says that there is roughly 6.3 million lost people in North Carolina. I don't know about you. I might not know the states, but I sure know calculations. I sure know mathematics, and that's more than half. Is that right? I mean, that's about 60%. And so all I'm telling that's a little over 60%. And, and so all I'm telling you is that there are, there are many lost people in North Carolina. I'm sure there is in South Carolina, Atlanta, Georgia, and all, all the rest of the places. Uh, and there is many lost people out of that 330. If it continues to go in that route, uh, that means that there's over 180 million lost people in, in, the, in, in the states. Comparison to 330 million, right? If it goes in the same route in every state. I would not happen to say, but I believe this, that the depravity of this earth, I believe this, that once you get out of the south, it's going to be much worse. That's in the south. So I, I, I mean, I don't know, but but because the devil don't de- the devil does not desire more souls than, than than the Lord does. It's just not true. But here we are, and we have this, and all the uh, millions and billions of people in this world today, uh, uh, and with millions in our own home state uh, who do not know Christ as their personal Savior. Uh, they've never opened the door of a church. Uh, they've never heard a prayer. They've never heard Jesus love me. They've never heard John three sixteen. Uh, and here they are, and the harvest is truly plenteous. Uh, the money is great, uh, but we need men and women. Man, I'm telling you, the look at the harvest, then we see the loathsome loathe means hate, the loathsome hold up. Now, in verse 37, the Bible says, but the laborers are few. And so there were few who were willing to labor in the harvest. Now, you tell me, tell me, How many disciples did Christ have? Twelve disciples. You tell me how many laborers there were. I understand there were laborers outside. But you cannot tell me that there were any other laborers really in these books. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now you get to Acts, you'll find Paul. You'll find all the other ones that go on through from Peter to... What's Peter? You'll find Stephen. You'll find Aristocrat. You'll find all those people as you go on. But in the Gospels, it was laid out as 12 and Jesus. 
Now understand that others were getting saved in that and going out and telling like the man of Gadarene. Understand he went out told. And I understand all that. But you're getting what I'm saying, right? There was 12 disciples of Christ that were going out. Jesus had very few followers. Although he may have had many following him, he had few followers. And there were many religious people in that day, but few genuine labors. There were many Pharisees. There were many Sadducees. There were many all of those things. Uh, but there were few that were genuinely uh, uh, concerned uh, with reaching the masses for Christ. Uh, there were very few that were concerned. Uh, but doesn't that sound like today? Many churches today have zero missionaries. Uh, matter of fact, they could absolutely care no, none, none at all for it. Uh, and we need laborers today. Uh, um, let me give you a few reasons why people don't go. Uh, I'm just off the top of my head, a few reasons why people don't go. Uh, well, one reason I'd say uh, is they're comfortable. Why do church people not go? The calling's there, but they're comfortable. They're comfortable. They're comfortable. They live a life of luxury. Uh, and and they, they can't give nothing up for, for, to go to Africa. They can't give the luxury of, the, of America, the, the, the wonderful things of America. They're comfortable is what they are. They're comfortable with just sitting on a church pew uh, a week in and week out. Uh, they're comfortable. Although they may have the calling, they're comfortable. I'd say, secondly, they're complacent. They're complacent now, complacent simply meaning uh, um, that they're content. Uh, they're in their place. Uh, and they're doing enough. They're giving enough. They're giving themselves enough. They're doing all the things they need to be doing. Uh, and they are content with where they are. They're complacent. I would say also that they're not concerned. They're not concerned now. Now, come on. Come, come on. Can we think about this? Can we think about this? Uh, they're more concerned about their needs than there are about the lost folks of Africa, the lost folks of all of these places. Uh, I don't want to go to the Congo. Uh, I don't want to go there because there's cannibals. Uh, I don't want to go here. I, don't, I understand all of that. Uh, but we're not concerned about uh, uh, what they do. We're not even concerned if they eat us. Uh, but I'm telling you the truth uh, this morning. Uh, is The fact is we ought to be concerned uh, with their souls. Uh, there's lost people that's dying from this world. Uh, I don't care if they eat a thousand people a year. Uh, if they die, they'll go to hell because they don't know Christ. Uh, if they get born again, He'll change their life. Then I'd say they're cold. I mean, I, cold on God. I mean, cold on the things of God. They have no burden for the lost folks of today. Let me ask you, how can we reach a world that we don't touch? Paul, Paul tells us in the, new, in the epistles uh, that he tells us that they reached their whole world. They had a lot less labors than we did. But every single person heard the gospel. Paul tells us that. I can't remember where that, but Paul tells us that. Friend, I'm just telling you this morning, uh, um, there's so many things. There's people dying and going to hell. Are we getting that? Not just your family. There's much more than that. Your family ought to be reached. I'm thinking about some other things. What could keep these people back from going? Not only the fact that they're comfortable... 
Not only the fact they're complacent, not only the fact that they're cold, uh, and not only the fact that they're not concerned, uh, but what's holding them back? Well, I'll tell you what's holding them back. Fame. Job. The job. The job. I can't give up my job to go. Uh, I can't sacrifice that. Why? Fame's going to hold people back. And fame is going to send people to hell. Hey Amen. You know another thing's holding people back? I'm going to just say it. Family. Family's holding people back. I cannot go and leave my family here. Uh, well, why not? You know what's going to hold people back? Friends. I can't leave my friends there in that place. I love them too much. I've been around them. You know what else is going to hold people back? Finances. I can't go because I don't trust God enough. Let's just be real. I cannot go because I don't trust God enough to provide for me. You know all those hinge on, if you want to alliterate everything? Faith. If you're going to leave your family, you're going to have to have a but God moment. Amen. I mean, I understand. It's going to be tough leaving family. It's going to be hard leaving family. I cannot think about it, but I'm going to have to do it one day. But I'm telling you this right now, friend. I would much rather be in the will of God for my life than I would be in the will of my family, in the will of my mom, in the will of my dad, in the will of you. And I love every one of y'all in here, but I'm telling you right now, I I'd much rather honor God and go sit in the flatlands of Zimbabwe uh, and preach the glorious gospel to people who love it uh, and then uh, sit in America. And, and I, I know America needs Jesus. Understand me. Uh, we support many of American missionaries. Uh, but I'm just telling you something. Uh, they want Jesus. They want Jesus. We talked to Brother Tom Patterson. And, you know, as we're going to talk, as we're going to Granada there in January... And as he was telling those people about what he plans on doing, uh, they said, Preacher, could you plan a meeting over here and preach every day while you're here? He said, Well, yeah, I mean, we're going to pass out all these 5,000 Bibles a day, but uh, yeah, we can do that. He said, We can go from church to church, you know. We can go from church to church each night and preach for the churches. He said, That man over, over the over the country of Granada said, man, you can't, sir, preacher, you can't do that. You're not understanding what I'm saying. When you tell people that some American preacher is going to come over here and preach, they're going to be twenty or 30,000 show up. Not enough to fill in a church. You better get something bigger. And then, of course, the Lord provided and opened up that big stadium for them, and they got it. Simple as that. I mean, now you tell me what's too hard for God. One thing God ain't got to do is God ain't got to pay for something twice. If he's already provided, he ain't got to pay for it again. Amen. I'm just telling you that God, if God feeds the sparrows every day, don't you think he can take care of you? I mean, I know he can take care of me. Uh, and my fault is, uh, is that it would be too hard. Uh, it would be too hard to leave friends, family, and finances, uh, and fame. Uh, listen, I got a great job. I make great money to God be the glory. And I thank God for it. Uh, and they take great care of me. Uh, but I'm telling you the truth. If God says go, uh, there will not be a second guess uh, for me to go. Now, I'm not questioning him, but it's not a second and guessing him. All I'm telling you, friend, is that we need laborers. Jesus himself said it. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest. So, so, so we see 
the simple fact that there were the loathsome, the reason why they're not going, and the hated reason why they're not going was simply because there's no labors. There's no labors. The, why, why is there not all these labors? Then I want you to notice, lastly, I'm done, the Lord of hope. So we have the, late, the, we have, we have the loathsome hold up of the harvest. And then we have the, we looked at the harvest. And so we have the Lord of hope. The Bible says, pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he may send forth labors into his, is that not right? His? Is it? So, so whose is it? His. It's all his. Everything we got's His. And I'm telling you this morning uh, is that as we look on and as we think about this uh, is that all of this, the crops don't harvest themselves. Uh, They don't. And those who need Christ will likely perish in their sins uh, unless uh, they are engaged uh, by someone who is concerned uh, for their souls. Uh, Few seek their own will. Uh, few, Few seek Christ Himself. We must go. But we must go where He's at. So the need was great, the laborers were few, yet somehow in all of that there was still hope. There was still hope because Jesus challenged his disciples in that time to pray unto the Lord of the harvest for additional labors. Send more laborers into the harvest. And he urged them to pray that God would raise up men and women to go into the harvest. I want men and I want women. And you know what I see? I see, well, at first, when I first met from, I'm just going to say, from Camden to Cali to Cole and to Chapman, when I first met them, the first thing I thought about was lost souls. But now I've seen them all get saved, besides Chapman. And you know what I think about? Labors. Labors. Not just lost souls, but now they're labors. Now they can be labors for the gospel that they've got. So, so I'm telling you this morning uh, is that there's still hope for this generation. Uh, there's still hope uh, ahead uh, for this world. Uh, um, but, but it's going to take the Lord of the harvest. It's going to take Him. And so what we're supposed to do is we're supposed to pray. Remember message here, title here? There was a prayer request from the Lord. The prayer request of the Lord. And so I'm telling you this morning, friend, I'm telling you is that he didn't urge them to pray for salvation. But he urged them to pray for laborers. Because he's the one whom saved. And if there's laborers preaching, how can they hear without a preacher? I'm just telling you, rightly divided in Scripture, how can they hear without a preacher? And if a preacher sent, then that means... The Lord can save. Now, I'm not limiting God. Understand that. I believe God can save without a preacher's help. But the Lord laid it out how he wanted it to be. It's going to take a preacher. It's going to take conviction, then conversion, and we'll have it. It's a work together. Friend, I'm telling you. Remember, few seek it on their own. Few. Few seek it on their own. We were in Scotland some few months back. There was a man who had never 
I'm done. I'm not going to get anybody to come play today besides my wife. I'm going to ask my wife to come play. Could you play, please? Um, so, so, so here we are. We were in Scotland in the midst of the, all the beautiful mountains and seas and stuff in the midst of Scotland. We've seen much in that place, and, and there was much there to be seen. Understand, it was beautiful. But in that, and where the tent was set up, and don't worry about him up here this morning. As the tent was set up, on the front of it said, Jesus saves. Jesus saves. That's the greatest call that anybody could say. Jesus saves. I'm so glad that Jesus saves. In the midst of Scotland, there was a man, and I'm forgetting his name right off the top of my head right now, okay? But I'm telling you the truth this morning is that this man come over and he was crying and he was weeping and he had never heard of Jesus. But he, this is what he said. I've tried everything else. He didn't call us preachers. He didn't say, oh, preacher, I've tried everything else. No, that's not it. But he said, I've tried everything else there is to try to get rid of my drunkard problem. And nothing's worked. So I'm just wondering if that Jesus on the front can save me. From my drunkard problem. That's what he's wanting. Well, found out that he didn't just get saved from that. But four days later, he got saved from every problem. Hallelujah. From the hell problem, from the drinking problem. Everything he had, he got saved from. But it took preaching. It took preaching. And it's going to take preaching in your life and my life to get God to move in a life. And that's the truth this morning. I'm done. Could you stand to your feet? Stand to your feet this morning. I want to encourage you to think about this thought. To not just thinking about sending money, but sending yourself. There's much more to God than just us passing out the offering plates and just us doing this and just us doing that. That's wonderful, and we do it every Sunday night. But what about sending yourself? Maybe you just want to be more in your, in your community. I don't know. Just if you need to pray this morning, I'd ask you to come. This altar is open.